Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and today we're going to talk about 10 ways to refute free will. Um, so before we do that, I just want to kind of like describe what we mean when we say free will and why it's kind of like impossible and why, why the show is important, why, why the, the, the question matters. Okay, um, basically we're kind of like we have this belief that we have a free will, that we can just decide whatever we want, regardless of anything, that you know, what we decide is up to us, that nothing that we can't, that, that we're not in control of, is either deciding for us or taking part in the decision. And so um, the problem with that is like, with that perspective, um, when we or others do wrong, as we invariably do, because we're created like with faults and stuff, we will blame others or ourselves. Or if we do something good, we'll become arrogant, boastful, you know, stuff like that. And you know, it's, and and I mean, more than that, I mean, you know, it's just like seeing reality, um, just completely opposite to the way things are, you know, because like, because I mean, like. You know, everything is predetermined, and it's really surreal. I'm going to do an episode on, episode on just, like, how surreal it is, just like it's, you know, I mean, like, it's completely logical in a sense. It couldn't be any other way, but still, to, to, to kind of, like, realize that, you know, nothing is in our, you know, we're just, like, playing out the hand of fate or God or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's, like, really, really amazing. All right, so, like, ordinarily before I do the shows, I'll go through, like, the basic explanations of why free will is impossible. But since this whole show is about that, we'll just get right into it. Okay, so the 10 ways to refute free will. First one, causality. Um, everything has a cause. Nothing happens, no, nothing has happened, nothing can happen without a cause. The only possible exception to this is like, you know, well, we, you know, it transcends logic to kind of like for us to like know or determine whether there was a first cause because you know like you know if we if we kind of posit there was a first cause immediately uh, what comes to mind is like oh yeah well what you know where did that come from how did it, you know and so like our minds can't really wrap our, ourselves around you know just the first cause or just like you know I guess eternity maybe seems um, to make more sense but anyway let's let's you know Starting with the Big Bang, you know, 13.7 billion years ago, you know, because that's, <clears throat> that's as far back as we can kind of theorize, measure, you know, the time. Um, everything has to have a cause. Nothing happens that's not caused. And that's why free will is impossible, because think about it. Anything you do, say, think, feel, whatever has a cause, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's clear, that's obvious. Um, so, there's a cause to whatever we do, whatever we decide, whatever we, whatever. Then there's a cause to that, okay? <laughs> and then there's a cause to that, and there's a cause to that, and a cause to that, and a cause to that. And these causes, see, a cause is never going to come in the future or at the present, you know, time. It, the cause will always come in the past, so what happens each time we address a cause of, for whatever is happening, our decisions, you know, what we do, then we're, we're moving moment by moment into the past. So like, you know, the cause of our decision 
happened a moment before we made it. And then the cause of that cause happened a moment before we, you know, that cause. And the cause of that cause happens a moment before that. And so what happens is then you've got this chain of cause and effect. You know, you have causes, a causal regression spanning back, you know, moment by moment, back in time. And naturally, if you, you, you take this this causal sequence back, it's going to go before we were born. You know, it's going to go back to before the planet was created. Um, you know, back to the Big Bang and, and who knows what happened, you know. But, but that's the essential, you know, basic reason. That's reason number one, why free will is impossible. And that's like, it's so clear, you know, that the logic could not be clearer. So like, so why, <laughs> why the, the world is still deluded about the fundamental nature of human will after, after like 59 episodes of the show? I don't know. You know, it's like, and, and you know, the kind of like, the interesting thing is that like, the universe, it's not, you know, we didn't decide to get this wrong. Again, we don't have a free will. We just, like, decide, think whatever the universe causality, you know, has us decide. So, for whatever reason, the universe has compelled us, all of us, most of us, to, um, to believe that, that what we do is up to us, you know. And, um, and I guess quite fortunately, because I think it does create more problems than... Um, than have benefits, um, you know, now, for whatever reason, the universe is saying, you know, well, I guess it's time for human beings, at least. I don't know about the other animals on the planet, but, but we're coming to the, um, to the rightful conclusion that, that uh, free will is a myth. It's an illusion. You know, it doesn't exist. We're all kind of like programmed. I mean, I don't like, you know, most people, we don't like to see ourselves as robots, right? And we're kind of like religious. Most people are religious. So a good way to like see this is like we're the instruments of God. You know, we're, we're manifesting God's will. God, like, I, I tend to kind of like define God as the universe because like if, if God is everywhere, then God is everything. All right? So, and, and you know, that's, so, that's, that's the reality. Okay. So that's that's um, that's the that's the way number one, and these ways co- kind of like relate to each other, you know, these ten. But but let's go through them. But um, all right, <laughs> the second one, um, we have an unconscious. Now, um, Freud kind of like popularized this fact. It was known a bit before him by the hypnotists, the mesmerists, and and I believe the Greeks had a conception of the unconscious and the and the fates and these kinds of like desires and these kind of motives that um, that we didn't know where they came from. Even Saint Paul, Saint Paul, writing in Romans, you know, he writes something to the effect, you know, like, hey, you know, I want to do what's right, but I can't always do what's right. What's going on? He's kind of recognizing that he doesn't have a free will. There's something, you know that um, apparently something that's not what we call we is, is guiding, you know, his decisions. So, like, so we have this unconscious. And what's the unconscious? The unconscious is the part of our mind that stores all the stuff, all of our memories, all the data upon which we base any and every decision. And think about it. Like, if, if we're going to make a decision, it's got to be based on something, and, um, and, and generally more than one thing, you know, various like moral considerations, hedonic considerations. Um, we kind of like 
go back through our past experience, what was beneficial, what was not so, and we kind of like sift through all this stuff. Now, here's the thing. So if we're making our decisions, if we're acting according to what's in our unconscious and, by definition, we're not conscious of our unconscious. That's why they call it the unconscious. It's, not, it's a part of our mind that we're not aware of, but we know is there because, um, well, because of kind of like logic in a way, you know, but also like, you know, in, in psychology and neuroscience, there have been various, various experiments. Hypnosis is a good way to explore it. In other words, like you make, um, you hypnotize a person and you prime the person, um, you know, give, or give the person a post-hypnotic suggestion. Let's say when the phone rings, the person's going to go over to the window, open it, and uh, say hi. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, the idea is that um, we, um, we're not aware of that part of our mind, you know, just by definition. So here's the thing. If we're not aware of our unconscious, and we, we know we have it, um, that'll tell you that... Um, that'll tell you that any decision we make has to be made at the level of the unconscious. Because again, if, if, if our conscious mind, you know, um, doesn't have access to that in, in information because it is in the unconscious, the only part of our mind that has access is the unconscious. Okay? Um, so let's see. Um, and the other thing about like consciousness and unconsciousness might be a little easier to understand. Um, when we say consciousness, um, our conscious mind, consciousness is, is basically awareness. Okay, when we're conscious of something, we're aware of something. So like what happens is like right now I'm aware of what I'm saying, okay? But my consciousness is just aware of what I'm saying. It's not deciding what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, my consciousness, I don't know what, what, what I'm going to say until I say it. You know, I have to hear myself saying what I say to know what I'm going to say. This is the same for everyone, you know? And that's, that's, of course, another reason why free will is impossible. If we don't know what we're going to say until we say it, you know, naturally it's not we who are saying it, per se. Okay. So that's, um, that's the reason number two why we don't have free will. Number three is something that we learned back, I don't know, fourth grade, fifth grade. I mean, this, this is like basic, 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 basic science. And it's, um, it's usually presented in, in the sense that um, back decades ago, there was like a debate in science. Is human behavior a result of nature or nurture? Do we do what we do because of our genetics or because of our upbringing and what we experience and stuff. You know, that was a debate a while back. Well, you know, over the decades, what they realized is that it's a combination of nature and nurture. Part of our behavior is determined by our genetics. Part of our behavior is determined by our, determined by our environment, you know, our interactions, our experiences. Now, and again, this is like basic stuff that every sixth grader should know this, I would think. Now, the thing is, like, the debate was about nature and nurture, and the conclusion was that it's both, but there's no, you know, it's nature and nurture. It's not nature, nurture, and free will. You know, there is no room for free will in this nature, nurture thing. You know, that's the thing. So, um, so and, and, you know, it's kind of curious because, I mean, like, this, this whole nature, nurture 
way of understanding human behavior has been like understood um, for you know four decades, you know over a hundred years, I, I, I would guess also, and it's taught, but you know like they don't, you know. In, in, in schools, in public schools, they're not teaching the free will is an illusion. They just don't take it that far. They just present it, and, and the kids, you know, they just like, you know, I don't know. Maybe if they question it, I don't know what happens. But, um, all right, so nature and nurture. You know, that's what, that's what controls human behavior, and that is why, um, that's another reason why free will is impossible. Okay, the fourth, this, the next reason, reason number four, is, um, is a pretty cool reason, and... Um, Think about this. Um, we didn't create ourselves. You know, I mean, our parents kind of created us in, in a kind of like bio-procreative sense, you know, biological sense, whatever, and then like, you know, God or the universe or whatever created us. But we didn't create ourselves. And this thing about like free will, another way to kind of like define free will is that like if we had a free will, then we would be ultimately responsible for anything and everything we did. You know, it would be up to us, so we would be responsible. So if we don't have a free will, we're not responsible. So this fourth, this fourth reason we don't have free will kind of like addresses that. We didn't create ourselves, um, and that's why we don't have a free will. And I'm going to explain this by way of analogy. You're a, a brilliant scientist, um, mechanical engineer, computer scientist, whatever. You create this robot, okay? And, and by some magic, because you, you can't do this, like, you know, really. That's what the show is about. You endow this um, robot with free will, okay? You say, you know, somehow you're, I'm going to give it a free will. It, it's going to do whatever it wants regardless of anything, okay? Now, so like... All right, the robot now apparently, you know, supposedly has free will. It, you know, escapes from the lab, from wherever it is, goes out into the streets and, I don't know, does something wrong, okay? So, so the police round up this robot and they find, they, they determine, well, who, who made this robot, right? Because, like, what happens is then, like, you know, the police... Um, find the person who made the robot, and it's not the robot who's going to be, like, in front of the judge, you know, for, for what the robot did wrong. That's the thing, you know, like, um, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the guy who made it is, like, talking to the judge and say, listen, you know, the judge is saying, you're responsible for this. And the, 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 the guy is saying, wait a minute, I endowed this robot with a free will. The, you know, the robot was doing whatever it wanted to do. And the judge would say to the guy, yeah, we understand that. But you created the, this robot with the possibility to do what it did, and it broke the law, and that's why you're responsible. And you can't have a, hold a robot responsible anyhow, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's a different consideration. But so, all right, so, all right, so just the fact that we didn't create ourselves um, negates free will. If, we if I would have created myself, I would have created myself completely blissed out and completely good. You know, I would never do anything wrong. I would never think an unpleasant thought. You know, I'd be completely blissed out every moment of every day. And, and pretty much every one of us would be the, the same um, way. And that leads very, very um, smoothly into reason number five. All right, so, so basically, yeah, this, this, um, 
this thing about like we didn't create ourselves, it addresses the morality aspect of this free will question, okay? Because before we were addressing kind of like the basic causality, you know, just um, are our thoughts up to us in general. But all right, so the next, uh, the, the fifth way to understand why free will is impossible is what I refer to as the hedonic imperative. Um, other people have referred to it as like the pleasure. I think Floyd, Freud uh, uh, um, referred to it as the pleasure principle. And in biology, it's kind of like a principle that like living organisms, not just human beings, tend to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's what we do, whether it's a single-celled organism or you know, more complex living things like, like human beings. So, so how does this relate to free will? Well, if, if we're hardwired, if we're programmed, if we can't but seek pleasure and avoid pain, and, it's, and this isn't to say that we're always successful, because we're not. Because <laughs> just the fact that we have any pain at all means we're not successful. But if that's how we're programmed, if, if all our acts and decisions are under this, you know, this fabric, this, this, this umbrella, this, this guiding principle of, of seek, seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, that'll tell you pretty, pretty clearly that that's not a free will. We are compelled to seek pleasure. We are compelled to avoid pain. Sometimes we're compelled to, um, to endure a certain amount of pain because we will predict that if we do that, it'll lead to greater overall pleasure. Um, but that's still seeking pleasure. That's seeking like the most pleasure, the least pain, you know? It's still hedonic. All right, so naturally, so that's, all right, that's reason number five. Number six, the way number six to refute free will, which is kind of like related to, to number five, is that like we're also hardwired to do what we think is morally right. I mean, the Greeks kind of presented this. They understood this. The idea is that, like, a human being can't do what they consider to be wrong. And this, this relates to the, the least kind of, like, thing that we do wrong or the greatest. Um, in our mind, whenever we're doing anything um, that, that others or that we might tend to consider wrong in a certain sense... We're justifying in a certain way. We're rationalizing. We're saying to ourselves, well, you know, um, others may consider this wrong, or generally I may consider this wrong, but, you know, so like there's this kind of like this moral imperative to, to always do what we think is right at the time we're doing it, to, to always, you know, think what we think is right at the time we're thinking it. Now, again, um, in hindsight, you know, we, we often discover that... Um, you know, oh, you know, I thought, I, I thought it was the right thing to do. Now I know better. You know, but at the time of doing what we do, what we think, what we feel and all, we're always kind of like, you know, driven, hardwired to do what we, um, what we think is right. Okay. And so that's number six. Okay. Number seven is, is a very clear one. Um, thoughts just pop into our minds. What happened to camera three? <laughs> Thoughts just pop into our minds. Um, like, I didn't know I was going to say that. I, you know, <laughs> I'm checking out the camera things. And, and so, like, all right. Whenever you, when, you know, we can't know what we're going to say until we say it. We just can't. And, like, sometimes, like, let's say I'll say to myself, all right, in 10 seconds I'm going to say the word one. 
So like 10 seconds comes along and I say the word one. Um, that kind of goes a little against that. And, but, but in general, in general, and you know, so anyway, if I do that, then the other nine reasons would apply. But in general, you know, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, like the syntax, the grammar, the words that I'm using, the vocabulary, the way I'm explaining this, you know, I'm just like, I'm aware of it as I'm saying it. You know, it's like my unconscious, let's go back to this because these are related. My unconscious, you know, is like, well, all right, let's say it in this way. Then I become conscious of it as I'm saying it. This is the same for everyone. You know, this is the way we are. This is, this is who we are. Okay, so again, thoughts just pop into our minds. And, and again, if, if, you know, if we had a free will we would ensure that all the thoughts that popped into our minds were, were, in fact, you know, good and pleasant and, you know, very, very happy thoughts. Okay. The eighth way to, um, to refute free will is to understand that it's not just um, that some things are completely controlling our um, behavior, you know, what we say and think and do and all. This is like any, any kind of influence on our behavior is, um, negates free will. In other words, like if you, if you drink coffee in the morning and that coffee has caffeine and that caffeine is affecting your nervous system, your neurology, whatever, um, that means that while that coffee is in your system while that caffeine is, you know, surging through your whatever, through your um, blood vessels, whatever, that, you know, that takes your free will again. Because, like, free will would mean, like, that you're, you can decide whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, regardless of any influence. So it just takes one influence, you know, to, to negate that. And another influence, like, you are taught a lot of stuff by your parents, by your schools, um, you watch a lot of TV. You watch a lot of TV, and um, and you know there's stuff. When you watch TV, it's like you don't get to decide, you know, what you're going to watch. It's like images and what people say. You're just, you know, you don't get. And, and it's the same when you read a book. You're reading stuff, and you know, you're you're kind of like getting inputs of, of stuff that, that that is not up to you. So again, anytime that's happening, um, it's not a complete you know, control of, excuse me, it's not a complete control of of what you're um, doing, saying, feeling, whatever, but any, think about it, any amount of, of, of influence that's coming from outside of you, even from within you, you know, um, like, for example, I had like very little sleep last night, so that's going to affect it, I can't, you know, I can't override that, you know, I can't be free of that influence, so any, any partial influence, um, genetic, environmental, uh, biochemical, astrological, you know, whatever it is, any kind of influence is going to negate free will. Okay, this is cool. We're going through this. All right. Um, way number nine to understand why we don't have a free will is, um, well, when you think about it, you know, some people say, yeah, I have a free will. Of course I have a free will. I feel my, my will is being free. You know, I feel my decisions are up to me, you know, are freely made. But no, no, that's not what we feel. That's not what, what we experience. Like, what I'm experiencing right now, I'm experiencing a will. I'm experiencing that I'm making, that I'm kind of like deciding 
what I'm going to say. You know, that's the experience. But like, for it to be a free will experience, it would be like that I would have to experience myself doing the stuff free of of the stuff that you know the influences that that um, that negate or or refute the free will. So so the idea is like, yeah, um, we don't we don't experience our wills as being free. We we experience our wills as deciding. And really what we experience is like, again, we have consciousness. Consciousness is is awareness. Consciousness is not decision-making because, again, that has to happen at the level of the unconscious. So we're basically, you know, we're aware of of our experience and, and so we don't decide it. Okay. And the last one, the last one is, and this is like not really, it doesn't really relate to us, but it kind of does. It's like, all right, human beings don't have a free will. No animal on the planet, no animal on, in the universe, the entire universe could have free will. Because this, this, you know, this causality that I was referring to that I started out with, it relates to everything. The entire universe is as big as it could be. Um, and there's no other way it could be. You know, that's simply the way it is. Now, here's the thing. All right, so human beings don't have a free will, but God, ha- as we define God, doesn't have a free will either. Now, this may come as a surprise to everyone because, you know, a lot of people say, well, God, you know, surely has to have a free will. God can do whatever God wants. But, you know, you, you, you kind of like understand that he can't, she can't, whatever. When you, you ask the simple question, well, could God, let's say, create a boulder so heavy that even she, he couldn't lift it, okay? And, you know, you ask yourself that question, you, you suddenly realize, no, if God, for example, is omniscient, if God knows everything, God has to know everything, okay? He, God doesn't have the decision of knowing something or not. If God is all good, God has to be all good, okay? So, so the idea is we're, we're living in a universe where God doesn't have free will, we don't have free will, nothing has a free will, everything's a movie, and it's the most amazing kind of realization ever in the history of the planet. It really is, because we've been like so completely deluded, and I mean like... The, you know, the belief, the illusion of free will isn't so horrible, I mean, but, but it just it, it gets reality completely wrong. All right, we've got about a minute left, and, and so that's the ten ways to refute free will. There may be more, I don't know, that you can see how they're kind of related, but, um, but you'll see. You, you can see that, you know, it's very easy to refute free will. It's very easy just in, in various ways. All right, well... That's all we have time for today. I just want to say, like, catch our our show in Manhattan, Myth of Free Will, every Wednesday night at 11 o'clock p.m. Uh, We do a show in Manhattan. If you don't live in Manhattan, uh, you can catch it on the Internet. Just go to Manhattan Neighborhood Network, their website. We're on the Lifestyle Channel, Channel 2. And the cool thing about this show is it's a live call-in show. So, you can know, it's a half hour long. Call us up, and and we'll, we'll tell you why you don't have free will. All right, well, that's all we have time for. Uh, Thanks for watching, and I'll be back, you know, with more um, shows kind of like explaining why we don't have a free will and why it's important. Okay, thanks for watching.